Welcome to our fourth episode of NAFAM, the podcast. Today, we're going to start out talking about our psychological horoscope. Wait, we are? I think that's, well, I, we're going to start there and see where that takes us. We are? Us. I don't have mine. Well, I don't have mine either. Okay. But <laughs> you're learning a lot about this and forcing me to learn a lot about this. I thought we were going to talk about what our plans are for the new year and why you're so cranky right now. Those are the two <laughs> topics that we're going to talk about today, but you were also supposed to take the lead. so I know. And then uh, you said, hey, review these two pages of this uh, document and I said, if you want to talk, talk about, about your what north our, point. I said, if you want to talk about the new year, you should talk about your north node because you haven't, you've yet to talk about it. And it's been mentioned multiple times since we've started this. But I thought we could start with why you're so cranky right now. I'm cranky because, you know, I'm cranky because I feel a lot of pressure right now. Yeah, you were, you were literally earlier, like 10 minutes ago, were like exhibiting that. Yeah, you said, uh, hey, by the way, we're going to record another episode and you're going to lead this one. And I said, okay. And, and you had actually said that this morning. And then you said, by the way, today you need to like think about what you want to talk about. And so I was working from home today and thinking about it a little bit. I had some ideas come and go. And then when it came down to it, I just kind of blanked out. And then I was getting nervous about, you know. So you weren't prepared? You so didn't feel prepared? Yes. Why does that make you cranky? Uh how are those two things related? I'm married to you, okay? No, because that's not... Because there's an extra that, layer no, of pressure that mm, I don't deal well with. You feel pressure, you get cranky. Tell me why that's related. That is related because, because of my personality and because I feel like I have to have an answer for everything. Why does that make you cranky? You, I get that you feel pressure, but I'm trying to figure out why that makes you cranky. Because it's like in certain situations, I think, you know, you can, you, you might feel pressured, but it, you know, you could look at it and go, I'm just not going to deal with that right now. And so I get a little cranky because in a way I feel pressured, like, no, you're going to, you're going to face this thing head on and you're going to deal with it. Hmm. So then it's like, but what are you facing? It's my def- it's my That's what I don't understand. What are you to, uh, facing? Can we back this up and like slow it down? Like, what are you facing? I'm so confused. Well, I'm still nervous about doing the podcast. In general. Why? Just hearing myself talk. And again, it goes back to what our does... pilot episode where I said, hey, I I don't really know that I have anything interesting to say. But why does say. that? I, okay, I'm not I'm trying to be difficult right now. If a cat came up to me and said, I don't want to do this because I don't like the way I meow. Like, That's I don't a know... fucking cool cat. <laughs> and you better bring it home with I, you. What would I say to the cat? I don't... <laughs> It's a cat. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? That's my point. You're a human and you're just speaking. You're just, yeah. you're, you're not telling me how these things are related. I, I told you that I get nervous about this. And when I get nervous, I think I get a little defensive and I push back a little bit. And I'm not but trying. Why to, are you nervous? You're um, not like seriously dumb this down for the listeners. Why are you nervous? It's just how I am. I get out of my comfort zone. And but when what's nerve-wracking of... about it? That you are, what, going to jump off a cliff and you might die when this <laughs> is done? Like, explain to me what's nerve-wracking about this. No, that I, one of my insecurities is how people are going to see me. And so if somebody's listening okay. to this, I might, you know, I, I'm already self-conscious that I don't sound intelligent enough. I don't have anything to say. And so that's nerve-wracking for me to put myself out there and enter this place where it's like, throw that all out the window and just talk. Hmm. And I will say that the last few episodes that we've done, after about 10 or 15 minutes, you know, it kind of settle in and it just becomes conversation and the nerves wear off. But I mean, you know, we've done lots of 5K races and, you know, some other longer races and different events. And it's that same feeling. Oh, so it feels really good when you're done? Yes. It feels very good when I'm done. I wonder why. What feels good about it? I think it's just the the thought of completing something and it's like I don't have to worry about that anymore for the, for the for a moment you know mm, that's 
And sometimes, honestly, that's literally so, it that you completed something and you don't have to worry about it. So, no, I feel, if, I feel, you, if you, if you, I also you, feel good about myself for having put the energy in. It must and have something to do with it. the task that you completed because that'd be like saying, Well, I just ate a box of Twinkies and I'm glad I'm done because I got oh. it done and I don't have to worry about it for a while. Like, there's more there. Help, help me out. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a sense of accomplishment. Okay. I wonder why. Maybe maybe you don't have an answer for that right well, now. Well, I, I would ask you. You've done races too, a number of races. We've done them together. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you feel when you are done? Do you feel a sense of like relief, accomplishment? Like what? What is it? Is there? Are you nervous when you start? Yeah, very nervous. Okay, so explain to me then what your experience is with that. Well, I don't know that doing this feels the same way as a 5K though. So I don't know that I could relate to the two like you are. Here we are already going. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. But um, I don't know how I, I'm not relating the two of them, but I guess I could see how one could relate the two of them. So if I'm going to say something about a 5K, it's very nerve wracking going in because I think my whole thought up front is like, I just want to be at the finish line. I want this to be done. And then usually like five minutes in, I'm like, this is feeling pretty good. I don't care when this ends. I mean, there's, I guess there's, um, I up and down along the way, but it's never as bad as it is when you start. It's the worst at the start. And then as you get going and the further you get in, it gets better. But I guess it feels like a sense of accomplishment because it's good for your body. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's strength building literally yeah, and So, in so many ways, so spiritually, this, mentally, emotionally, and physically. This for me is, it feels like I'm, completely opening myself up and I'm completely exposed and vulnerable. Well, you're not. So, you know, when you I mean, I would like to show the listener the real gym, but just, would you? I'm kidding. <laughs> so, what 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 is the real gym? I mean, I'm, we're not nobody, anyway. you know what I mean? We all still have a part of ourselves that we hide from yeah. the public. That's all. Well, again, I think that's why I'm self-conscious about this because I want to be myself and also present myself in a way that if somebody happens to be listening, they're like, oh, you know, they have an interesting conversation. Like, like you said, as we go through this in a few minutes later and we're just talking, yeah. that feeling kind of goes away. Just like, yeah. you know, you start a race out, you're nervous, mm -hmm. then you start running and mm -hmm. you have your music on and you're mm -hmm. just feeling like... I'm doing this, I'm in it, I'm in full stride. And it, I mean, if it's the same thing, if I have a, a meeting at work or something, I might start out, depending on what that meeting is, feeling like a little bit nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And then you start and you get in the process and you might say your first thing or, you know, whatever the right. case is or present whatever you're presenting. And once you start going, you're like, no, I know what I'm doing. I I'm, I'm, feel like I'm good at this. And those nerves kind of yes. subside a little bit. And I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm immune to the experience that you're feeling, but I, I also feel like... Um, like, what does it matter if what you're saying right now doesn't appeal to somebody? First of all, they'll one, not listen, or two, they're listening. And if they continue to listen and not like what you have to say or have judgments about what you have to say, that is 100% reflect, reflective of their own insecurities and their own issues. So if it feels good, if what you are saying feels good, that's all that matters, don't you think? Of course. It's easier said than done. I know. So just like you're saying this, well, why don't you just do this and feel this way? And why doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And you are so good in this space. Obviously, you. No, you just have to do it. It takes practice. What I'm saying is you are good in this space. You love talking. You, you, you know, you're very interested in what people have to say as long as it's not a, a surfacey fake conversation. And you are, you really you love that and you engage in that. And so that's where I'm saying that's where I feel more exposed and vulnerable. You're right. Who cares? Nobody should care. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean I don't feel it. So that's, yeah. that's where I'm coming from. Right. I'm just asking you to consider that maybe you can feel less of it going forward and consider the truth. Practice makes perfect. It's just like this whole idea of like, let people think of you what they think of you. If you know the truth, that's all that matters. I mean, of course, it's coming out wrong, but Anyways, um, I you, get your did point. what I just added. Did you just feel like I grilled you? And like, do you feel uncomfortable <laughs> with the conversation that we just had? No, I, I don't feel uncomfortable with it. No, I, I actually, it, it's 
that part of it's fine. I think it's funny because everything you just said, I say to you in so many different aspects of your life. Like, just who cares? Let it go. Why do you care what they think about you? And so it's just funny because this is the one area especially where it's, for me, it's like this is not my comfort zone. Yeah. Which, going back to, and we don't have to dig into the details here, but my psychological horoscope Mm -hmm. says that, you know, in, you know, I can have close people around me and close friends, but as a collective, like, I tend to feel like an outsider, and yet I'm not an outsider, but I tend to feel that way that people may, might not think the same mm-hmm. as me, might not act the same mm-hmm. as me. So I think that mm-hmm. all fits into that. And that and you put you put a wall up first before you let anybody can even get in or you can go in to somebody else's world so that you don't even have to deal with that whole rejection stuff. Yeah, very, very much so. I tend to wait for somebody to approach me and start a conversation. And then it's like, okay, I can I can engage in this and this is great. I've had to do it a few times in my life where I've done it. And actually, when I first moved to Germany in high school, small school, 200 students. And I remember being like, not that people were mean or totally standoffish, but trying to put myself out there to find, you know, who I could connect with and stuff. And that's like, I feel like the first time that I really had to do that. And I was very selective in who I approached and how that conversation went. Mm-hmm. You know, a month later, we were all great friends and everybody hung out. And it was it was fantastic. But it was like, there's few situations that I put myself in where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I've got to take the lead and step out of yeah. that. I mean, we, we can talk about us dating, how we met. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just, I do want to give you credit, though, like for the fact or validation because I, w- I didn't speak to many people until I was 16 years old. I mean, I I flunked, if you can flunk preschool, I flunked preschool because I wouldn't <laughs> even speak when spoken to as a child. Like, it was definitely a thing that was known about me. I didn't talk to adults. It was to the point where I was so shy that everybody talked about how shy I was to the point where I got uncomfortable because, I'm oh, great, they're going to talk about how quiet I am. And it was a very... Um, glaring aspect of my personality and when I was 16 I finally came out of my shell and you know obviously my kids one of my kids is the same way so mm-hmm. um go ahead though yeah talk yeah about no and that. it's funny because that's when I, I was 16 when I moved over there and that's the first time I think in my whole life where I felt like I came out of my shell too so part of it's an age thing but it, mm-hmm. going back to even when I was in kindergarten I remember like and, and I I think I did this all along, like I'd see somebody that maybe was feeling like they were the outcast or what, you know, whatever, and try to approach them and, you know, be friends with them. Like I always sought out those people that maybe felt like outsiders in that way. Um, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but I always had that like sensitivity around that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that person doesn't feel like they belong. They're, they're by themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't want, want company, but... But you felt what, empathy for them? or you're... I felt empathy and I yeah. felt like I need to go and try to bring that person in and like befriend yeah. that person and, you know, yeah. make them feel welcome. Yeah. See, I was, I think I could argue that I was kind of the same way. I was just, and that's, I think, characteristic of shy children is that they have a pretty actually have a really heightened and um, sensitive nervous system and they're picking up on all this stuff around them and um, so I think you could argue that you know we were both doing that and maybe I got to a point where I'm like okay I figured out how I want to talk about everybody's feelings all the time and I'm picking up on everybody's feelings and you took you took the inverse route and we're like okay let's not talk about anything because I'm picking up on everybody's feelings (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean I would never approach somebody who I thought maybe was more popular or cooler than me like I might end up being friends with them you know ultimately but I was always intimidated by somebody who I perceived to be cooler than me in the in crowd you know mm-hmm. whatever that might be mm-hmm. well same which I think is I mean you could say that probably about a lot of people <laughs> yeah so I don't remember how we got on how we went down this path you were... so uh, let, let's say you you said 2023 we what we talked about you know, yesterday and this morning a little bit. It was like, what are our goals for 2023 being two days away? That mm-hmm. What do we want to accomplish next year? Mm-hmm. Not accomplish, but where do we want to go? What's next for us? Yeah, what are, your, what are your goals in the theme of? Like, are they in the theme of, like, home improvement, financial, personal growth? Like, what, do you know? I would say at this age, it's... 
I mean, honestly, my my main focus, I really think, is on personal growth and connection with people. And is it? Or are you just saying that because no, you know that's what I would like you to say? And this well, we're on a podcast. Me, if you let me finish, okay. where I was going with that is, we're at an age now, being in our mid forties, mm-hmm. where sometimes it's easy to forget that, you know, in our professional careers, even in life, we're at the halfway point or past the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully, hopefully not too by too much, but Mm -hmm. um, I think it's recognizing that, you know, a lot of the people that I work with, for example, are younger than me, very talented people have a lot to offer, Mm -hmm. but it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm becoming that person that's been around for a long time. I've been in the industry for a long time, so they can come to me and get a quick answer on a lot of different things. Mm And I think it's recognizing that in that role and not just at work, but even at home with the kids and everything else is like, I I don't have everything figured out by any means. There's still a ton that I'm learning every day, but it's really tapping into that and saying, okay, you know, I want to continue to grow, but I also have things to pass to other people and share with other people Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. also listen. And I'm in a better place to listen to that. I don't feel intimidated by it. I don't feel... You know, I'm. Sec- I feel like I'm secure where I'm at. That makes a lot of sense. And as you were just saying that too, I had a little bit of an epiphany of her that how that works too. It's because you just said I'm ready to. I'm ready to share and listen. I I feel like my sort my path is sort of highlighting those same two things, and it has to do with that requires a lot of slowing down. That has to do like okay, I don't need to be in the race right now. I've I've gotten to a point where. I can slow down and now listen and share. Whereas before, it kind of feels like a race, you know? Like, got to keep up, got to get here, got to get there. It does, and, and I'm, I'm struggling with that. I am struggling with that. And I, you know, I mentioned the other day about somebody I worked with and things are in my head and I'm not putting them down on paper. And mm-hmm. that's part of that slowing down to be, to say, okay, if I'm going to add value and I'm going to actually help these people grow where they're at and maybe just teach them some, you know, tips and tricks of the trade, mm-hmm. I need to be able to slow down and explain that and put that out there and have it be where it's it's a little more tangible than just me. Because it does. It does feel yeah. like it's rapid fire all the time. And Yeah. But it's it's almost like you're, you're <laughs> it feels old, but it's almost like, you know, this patriarch, matriarch concept of it's like, I'm I'm sort of like the wise teacher sitting here waiting for the students to come in and ask their questions. You know, and that I don't mean it to sound like like that extreme that you're that old or that far far along, but does that do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah. Cuz I just even think like um you know, like a, a couple a few weeks ago you and I were sitting we were we were actually out for a drink, but and I was dealing well, I've been dealing with a lot of stress, I think, probably for the last couple of years. But it's been hopefully a good kind of stress because it's it's life it I feel like I'm at like a you know, we there's different points in your life where you hit a crossroads and I feel like I'm in that season right now. And there you and I was stressing about some things and I just like you and I started talking more and it was almost like sometimes you just start speaking and things come out of your mouth and then these things align and I just started like crying in the middle of this bar <laughs> and it was just talking about how this is so I've read one time that you know actually 44 which is what we both are begins the autumn of your life so and I've also think I've been feeling that you know because up until now it's been spring and summer and now it's autumn and then winter and it's sad I mean there's a real sadness to that realization there's just like Okay, the kids are getting older. I mean, there's just this more like, just like everybody's. My parents are getting older. Like my brothers are getting older. It just feels it feels like the autumn of life. And I know that there's great beauty ahead in that, but there's also there's also loss. That's what autumn is about. It's about loss. It's not about growth. It's about entering into the winter. And again, it's a very. That's going to be a very. There's going to be there's going to be beauty in that too. Fall's a beautiful season, we all know, and even even winter is. But there is some grieving with that. You're absolutely right about that, and I think the biggest factor of that that I see is definitely in the kids, 
them mm-hmm. getting older. Yes. And recognizing that they aren't going to be here forever, but they're also just becoming their own people. Yeah. And they have their own thoughts and ideas and interests. And why did it, maybe people tell us this, but why didn't people warn us about I mean, it's kind of trippy when I look at these kids as teenagers. And I even we've only been together for 8, 9 years. They were little kids when we met, and now they're young adults. One of them is, a, is an adult, and it feels like they're different people. And nobody <laughs> I don't think anybody ever said to me it's it's crazy. Like your child is gone. It's like a different person in a way. I, mean, I don't know if you experience that, but I do. Especially with Christopher. Katie's still a little like in the tweeny stage right now, but well, she is a teen, but Christopher's like a man. And I I he's not a child anymore. You know, just even the 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 hair colors change, the skin has changed, the just the babyness is it's not there and it's not gonna ever be there again. And it's crazy. It's kinda weird. <laughs> it is weird and I don't I don't think I've ever had anybody express it to me in those terms. I feel like the the only time you hear that really is, oh, your kids are that age. Like, well, you kind of did what you can do, I and, know. It, and like they're their own people. But that's but that's the, they the tell you, like, oh, it goes by fast, and but it's almost like, no, my baby is doesn't even exist anymore. Like, it's a different person, and maybe I'm the only one that feels that way. And that's weird. No, that's what I'm saying. But is that, that is exactly that's... what I'm going through right now. And again, that is that's our sadness with that. Yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying is that what. You, I guess that, like, what I would have equated it to 10 years ago, hearing, like, oh, when they get older, it's kind of like all people say is, well, they're at a point where they're making their own decisions and you Mm -hmm. did what you can do. Like, you've Mm -hmm. raised them. And so, like, Mm -hmm. you let them go. But nobody says, oh, by the way, and they're also going to be totally different than what you might have ever expected in a way that they're just their own person. They have – they're completely their own individual self. And but it's like it. Yes, they're the same person, but it's also like they're a different person, and it just happens overnight. I <laughs> really for. I know. I feel like I'm stating the obvious when I say it out <laughs> loud. It sounds ridiculous, but it's like it's like a real shift that I'm just like, oh, I'm never going to have that little boy back again. It's like the boy was there until he was like, I'll even give it to like 14 or 15, and then all of a sudden he's a man, and it's yeah. like, where did my boy go? There's almost a little bit of a pining for that, you know? Absolutely. It's so weird. Yeah, it's 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 difficult. And like you said, it it's you know, ushering in that next season, the autumn, mm-hmm. which I think the hard part about it is because of our age where we're at. I still I don't have the energy I had 10 years ago. Yes, as far which as is like, also a rude wake-up call. Yeah, which has been nice at work to have some other people that are a little bit younger that, you know, work under me and still have that energy because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we can still accomplish these things and everything, but I recognize that I can't do it myself. I don't have the energy to do that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I still feel like I've got a good five, 10 years left in me where I feel like I'm going to have something to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worry about, yeah, what, what comes next, then it's like, well, maybe at that point, you know, maybe still have to work or whatever the case is, but maybe I'm just there. You, you go back to maybe almost like a lower level Which where also, you're not functioning the same I way. I mean, that's that gonna, stupid, I'm already but. anticipating the, the mind-boggling transition around that because that just feels... I get it now. You know, when you start out your career and you enter the world and you're the baby on the job and you walk into these other people, these senior level people that are on their way out and you listen to their stories about what a transition this is to retirement, you're just like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Like now I'm like, oh, that's going to be hard. That is going to be really, that's, I'm going to struggle with that, I think. (laughs) And even, and I've had a situation where I switch jobs like every 10 years. So I always joke, I'm like, well, I like to feel young. And so I can never say I've been here for over 10 years. Um, And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. It's been 25 years (laughs) since I started working and graduated from college. Or not graduated from college, that was. But, you know, so um, I've had my current job too. Is like it's pretty low-key and slowing down. But when you just said that about not being able to keep up the same way, you've been with the same 
company and in the same position. It's expanded your responsibilities have grown like crazy. Yes, since you graduated college. You've never worked anywhere else. So you just made me realize that like, you know what? I have actually tried to picture myself going back to when I worked in child welfare or even going back to the hospital as a medical social worker, which I only left five years ago. I cannot... Like, I'm like, I don't know that I could actually keep up with that level of intensity. Like, it would, it was so, those are very demanding jobs, physically, mentally, spiritually, I don't know how emotionally. I could do that. Yeah. And um, I was a, historically a very, like, go, 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 very type. Like, I, w- I thrived in that kind of work. I don't know that I could do that now. And that, that also feels very sad. Even my workouts, I can't do what I used to do. It's just depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, and from a professional standpoint, I don't want my career to define my relevance in life. Exactly. And I I think at this point in my life, you know, if played the lottery and won the lottery tomorrow and said, I'm done working, we're gonna you know, we're gonna live our lives and we're gonna travel or we're gonna do this, like in a way I think I would be okay with that. I don't know for how long if I'd go, oh, but I miss that routine, I miss that, you know, camaraderie, I miss the other, the challenge, all of that stuff. But I do worry at some, does that change at some point where your career defines, do do you feel that as a person, like as you get older, like, Oh, this is who I am. Yeah, I don't know because I feel like I've never had that situation where my career has defined me. Um, I feel like I've always wanted, I feel, I love my job now. I feel previous to that, I always wanted to get the hell away from any job I was doing, but I I had pretty stressful jobs. So I can't relate to that. Um, I I think that my family defines me. And now this is just going to come out as we're speaking. So for me, I bet maybe that's some of the sadness and maybe that's some of the sadness I've had for a while because... Um, our family is just like maybe the, uh, I don't know how I want to say this. When I got divorced, you know, and I had a regular nuclear family, everything was really intact. And I had, I had, um, I don't know if I want to use the word control. I don't know if that's not the right word, but it, you know, I was, it was just one unit stuck in one place the whole time. And my family is very important to me. And then when you, when you enter into a step family, you don't have that. So I feel like our time together has been very hard on me because of that. And so now we're just kind of at a place where it's like we are where we are and it is what it is and the kids are getting older. So maybe for me there's just some really – there's some sadness around that because – and maybe there's a so yeah I don't know I'm kind of just thinking out loud right now, but does that right, make though, sense? I think it's whether it's control or whether it's a sense of belonging. It's a sense of belonging, or you know it, it does. It feels like I want everybody here to feel like they belong because yeah. they do. Yeah. And I think everybody feels that way. However, they're only here fifty percent of the time, so you well, could feel like you belong when you're here, but then when you're not here, w- versus well, that's also you're a really here. the sense of belonging is actually I don't know I think. I mean, this is just my armchair opinion and after reading a lot because it has catapulted me into deep exploration into this concept. It feels to me like you don't really get a sense of belonging when, you, when you're in a step family. Like never fully. And it's nobody's fault. It just is what it is. There's loyalty binds. There's, there's so many complex things going on all the time. So for me personally, that was always a very unsettling feeling. And I have had a very hard time with that over the years. And you know that. Um, Which is completely understandable. And I don't know that it got, that it gets better, but maybe it just ends. You know, I don't know. Like maybe it's just like, maybe that's where a lot of the sadness comes in for me around this time, this time in my life. It's like, oh, it was so hard for so long. And I tried so hard to like come together with so many people and for whatever reason that just never happened and then now it's ending so it feels like I, n- I feel like I, I missed out on something that was really important to me. that's I'm not feeling like that currently but I feel like that's what I felt like for a very long time and I'm learning that it's not something it's something that I can grieve and I have grieved and I spent a lot of time crying about but 
it also has been my life experience. And then what do I do with that? You know, I chose this. Oh, did I go out? I'm back. Oh, back. <laughs> so I chose this. You know, it, it was a lesson that was handed to me. It was something to learn from and grow from. I didn't know that at the time, and I didn't like it, and I didn't like it at the time. But here in hindsight, I'm like, oh, okay. I think especially I as a mother, it's not that it's totally different as a father, but as a mother, I think, of course, your your mother bear is going to come out, and then you don't have that full sense of belonging. It's not even about well, sure, my mother mother bear has come out, but yes, you don't ever feel you don't ever feel like you belong, which does a number on a person's nervous system. And eventually, you know, like <laughs> it's been it was so it's there's it's, we've had some difficult moments throughout our our time together. So that was an interesting sort of sidetrack, but it also I can't that I think I just had that realization as I was talking to you because you were talking about identity through career, and I'm like, I can't relate to that. What is my identity? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh yeah, no, yeah, it's been fam- it's been family, and so in a yeah. way, I almost feel like I'm sitting at that retirement now, you know. And also, I feel like I never, I know there's opportunity. There's, I don't want to sound pessimistic here because that's not where I'm at. I'm also sitting in a space of like, there's opportunity to nurture and grow with what I, ha- what we have and grieve what I, and grieve the fact that I never had what, we never had what I wanted. Yeah. Like I was striving for something that also wasn't even attainable and recognizing like, oh, duh. I think that wasn't even attainable. Now let's now we know what's attainable and let's go from there. Yeah, and the hard part about that too, you know, when I met you, I was like, okay, newly divorced, I don't know what this looks like. Getting back and dating seems daunting. You know, we're gonna we both did the online dating thing. That's how we met. Mm-hmm. And you were the first person I went out with. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you've got kids. Um, I've got kids, like there's a whole dynamic to that that's on, you know. Yeah, which again, you, told, you already told me you didn't want to be a part of, which <laughs> I'm like, well, that's the all. I said Should we tell everybody about that? <laughs> I said that that scared, that definitely scared me. And my thought was like, I only want to be with somebody with kids because I'm not going to deal with an uneven situation. I want it, I want it to be like, you understand, I understand, like I, what I was really looking looking for somebody with kids. I did not want somebody that didn't have kids. Yeah, and I think it just, it scared me about, okay, we're going to bring, and you're right. I mean, it's not that I didn't want it, but I was scared by it. I, that was, I was definitely nervous about what, what that What was scary like. about that for you? Because of the extra layers that it introduces. With, what, so what extra layers did you see that it would introduce at the time? Um, the fact that I have my kids... The other person's going to have... Do you hear that? I do. <laughs> Where is that coming from? It's the music. It is. It's not coming from Did your phone, Did somebody infiltrate our computer? That's a very... Okay. It's out. It's going out. Okay. Pause it. Okay, so we're back. I said, hold on. I know, but oh, you don't have your headphones on. Okay, that was weird. Our Alexa was playing music in the background. I'm not sure how that happened. Okay. We're back. So I was asking you, what is it that you said, what word did you use to describe the fact that you didn't want to date somebody with kids? There was a lot of layers. What layers? I think for me it was trying to take care of my kids introduce somebody else's kids, take care of somebody else's kids, and build a relationship, and all think, of that seemed daunting to me. Be, be, and you know that Do you because, think that pressure came from you or from outsiders? Um, well, that's a good question, and it, it probably was, um, yeah, may, maybe there was a part of it that I was nervous about what somebody else might think or, you know. Yeah, because when I, if I'm being honest, when I met you, I picked up on those vibes from you. Like... What are other people going to think if I don't put my kids first? Or, no, that's not what I'm going to say. Well, I think that. Makes I feel sense, like though. it was all a. I there was definitely. If we're, if I'm going to be honest, there was definitely a sentiment of your kids take 
are 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 take are are above everybody, me, you, and my children. Yeah, I think that that was yes. I think that I had. Well, if your you know your kids need uh, parents that are going that like they need they need that love right now. You're going through a divorce. They don't have a mom and dad in the same house, so therefore, and nobody in my family, my immediate family, is divorced. And so that whole experience, um, you know, at the time wasn't the case. So I'm just saying that that experience. So, I anyways, like this, well, you don't. I guess I don't want to speak for anything. I'm just saying that I felt it, I, the, the the vibe was these two are number one. My two don't matter, <laughs> and I mean they might, but that's not for like. So I'm just curious if that kind of played in like i wonder if you kind of like sensed that that already so you were worried about managing all of that i think so and i never really i guess thought about it like that you know and i don't i guess i'm not trying to i'm just thinking about this out loud as we're talking yeah no i think that that absolutely i think i'm always worried about what other people think and i feel like that kind of like set the set the scales in the beginning yeah which is it was a hard time i felt like i was just trying to balance them for years I know it seems totally crazy to me because when we first went out and I was like, yeah, okay, let's, let's go out. Let's do this. You initiated more of that. We went back and forth a I number of times. initiated more of what? Going out. Like you were like, hey, do you want to go out? Well, I, I initially, I reached out to you. I had been, a, we were, okay, so we met on Match.com and I don't know how long you, you had been on there. I don't know. It was August of 2013 I think I had I don't remember when I joined my friend like begged me to join I didn't want to do it it's like same story I don't want to do it everybody has the same story then they get on they're like oh okay this is great you get to the point where you get it's very it's a very exhausting situation online dating because it's just like there are so many emails exchanged and it's exhausting it's like you just have to (laughs) copy and paste like this is me this is my story do you want to hang out and you go back and forth and you waste your time so by the time you and i had connected i finally just said to you look i find that it's a waste of time if we sit here and go back and forth and then meet and there's nothing there how about we just meet yes and i was new to match.com and literally had like nobody reaching out to me so i wasn't exchanging emails with tons of people i think you i think you had said though too that like I think it's probably different for a female than it is for a male on there that, you know, I, I was getting a lot of messages. Yeah, you're a gorgeous, beautiful woman. Well, you're and... gorgeous, but I just think it's just, you know, it's societal norms like this. Oh, the, the guy has to reach out, you right. know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And which isn't fair, but. No, but I had so much insecurity about that. And long story short, when we first met up, I was like, Wow. She's incredible. We sat and talked for, I don't know how long it was, two, three, four hours. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like the conversation was like it. we just fit. <laughs> and that wasn't your experience. I no, it was my experience. I'm just, you're, I'm just, you talk slower than me. I just think that um, it was funny because when the date ended, I was just like, again, I had been through this. <laughs> I was just like, I was, let's just get to the point. Let's. I don't want to play games. It's a waste of time. It's boring. I'm at a point in my life where I'm not going to play games. I'm going to be direct with you. So I had just said to you, do you want to do this again? And you're like, sure. And the way you had said it, I thought, well, I'm not sure if he's serious, but I'll <laughs> wait and see what he does. And then we just ended it. And then the next, I think the next day, we texted back and forth and we talked about trying to align our schedules because with that time we had very opposite schedules with our children. So it was very yes. horrible, horrible, horrible. It was very difficult to figure out time together. And then you had said, this is a really weird request, but I'm going to a wedding with my entire family this weekend. Would you like to be my date? <laughs> that was our second date. No pressure. <laughs> Never in a million years would introduce you know, my family on a second date. Introduce any date, a second date, third date, fourth date, fifth date to my family. And that's how different the worlds are that we come from. That's that's so funny. Like right up front, we just experienced that. You're like, you want to meet my family? I know. <laughs> Seems a little odd looking back on it that I was willing to do that but was nervous about other things. But at the same time, it's it telling. was... telling. Yeah. It's pretty telling. Yeah. And... <laughs> I think for me it was I fell in love with you on our first date. I was like, she's incredible. 
and mm-hmm. I was like, I, yeah, I want my family, my family's close and I want my family to meet you. Mm-hmm. And I know for you, that was totally weird. And for me, it was like, oh, they should get like this person. They're going to be like, oh, she's, she's incredible. <laughs> Cause you and, needed their approval, which yes. is also telling. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, my dad had to come over and watch my children, and I didn't even tell him what I was doing because I'm like, <laughs> this is none of, none of your business. None yet. <laughs> Two different worlds in that way. Yes, absolutely. So I don't even know what the point of that was. You were started to talk about the match, like how we met, and oh, maybe how I was initiating. Well, we start, yeah, I, that's not where this whole thing started, but... Yes, you, and this was revealed to me well into after we were dating for quite a long time, was that you felt like you were always taking the lead and always reaching out, which mm-hmm. totally caught me off guard because I felt like we just, our chemistry was good. I felt like we had a lot of back and forth. Yeah. I felt we were on the same page. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, I was like, oh my God, I've been living in the dark for a long time which because I'm not picking up on these things where. in the dark in life. I do. I, do. I mean, that's so – it's so funny that you – because, I mean, I wish you could date – have had the experience of dating other people because <laughs> I've usually – like, I'm used to being chased in almost in an annoying way. And that I'm not saying this to sound arrogant, but, like, that's – and that's pretty typical, again, for – we live in – we kind of – at least you and I grew up in a world where it's still kind of old-fashioned where, you know – that there's it's gendered and like you know the male this takes the lead blah 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 right or wrong and I'm not even I don't even need that I don't need like obviously because I pursued you and I initiated things but it felt a little insulting when it wasn't yeah, reciprocated and I love that about and I'm like I, really you do know <laughs> that I'm a catch right like you do know how many people are lining out the door for me I love that about <laughs> you because I felt like it was this confidence that you had and I was so paranoid that I was going to scare you away if I came on too strong mm-hmm. and kept reaching out to you and asking you. And so I tried to be, um, I, I, I don't know what the right word is for it, but I tried to be very measured about that. Like, I don't want to overwhelm you and make it seem like I'm super clingy. Mm-hmm. I want you to know that to I want to go out with you. <laughs> I don't to want to a, overwhelm you to a fault. So I'm just going to sit over here and wait for you yeah, to call me. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, this wasn't that exaggerated, though. You did call me. You emailed me. You texted me. Like, you know, you definitely did all of that. I did more than you give me credit for, but I understand that it wasn't in the same way that you were used to. Because it was not in the same way I was used to. And I've never, I, I haven't had a lot of that. girlfriends and I haven't dated a lot of people because I have never put myself out there. Yeah. And that's been my fault in life. And I've, I, that's the one thing I have a lot of, in a way, regrets over, although I ended up here with you. So I, ultimately I don't, but at the same time. Are you sure? Not. To this day, our, this energy still plays out as I'm forcing you against your will to do a podcast. <laughs> Just stop. And you love it. So we were going to talk about our goals for the new year. And yeah, so we here we are. You had started saying that your goals for the new year were that you were going to take the lead more yeah, in life and in, share more of your wisdom. I think in general, I want to start this year really asserting myself as a, I don't want to say leader. I think that sounds a little bit narcissistic. Okay. But, it's not. But, but yeah, somebody who, somebody who is there to bring people together and who uh, is in a place in life to be able to offer wisdom and guidance to others. Yeah. That's, how is that narcissistic? It's not. Stop it, it misusing, stop misusing a of, word. Okay. Please stop misusing an important concept. Okay, so what word would you, because it's something, so what word would you substitute that with then? What would you say? Uh, somebody who's secure Okay. in their life. I was going to say sounds arrogant. Maybe narcissistic isn't the right word, but. No, it's somebody okay. who's securely planted in who they are. Okay, so. And recognizes that they have something to offer. So and, no, enough about me. Okay. What are your <laughs> what do you goals and objectives for? We can, I mean, we can circle back, but I want to know where you're at. I don't know what they are. Maybe it's. Oh, so I've you never, didn't do. Okay, I've never had goals and objectives for the new year. I'm just trying to get d- I don't do through day to day, day, hour to hour, second to second. That's. 
So, you know, maybe that's my goal of an objective for the new year is that I practice presence. I think that I am called to do that more than ever in my life. I think that I've had that realization more than ever in my life, and I have no other choice other than to do so. And I and so I'm going to continue to fine tune that. What do you mean by presence? What does that look like for you? Hmm. I don't know that I can really do that justice by describing that here right now, but um, I think that it's <laughs> practicing presence every day, every minute in my life, Cause, cause, noticing what I have, not what I okay. want. I, you know, again, we, t- we talked about that new therapist I have. And she was describing something recently, and she said, "You know, I just really like it. I really like to just look at it a way of like looking at the psyche, like just like look look around, what's there, like turning over every stone, just getting really curious and explorative about everything. You know, even if you're afraid, sit in that fear. Um, you know, it's, I tend to think that I have to have something mastered before I talk about it or go do it. I mean, I think we all do. I'm recognizing that finally now, though, in a real visceral way." Um, even doing this podcast, you know, I think I put it off because it's like, well, what else, what's it going to be about? What are we going to talk about? And we're I and it, and we're not like we're even each episode we end up just speaking. Can I say though that presence? What to me that might look like for you, from what I see in some of my mm-hmm. issues in our relationship, um, you are so keyed into that uh, underlayer, the, the, the meaning behind the... If somebody says something, for example, you're going to pick up on the under, undertones mm-hmm. of what they're saying yes. and you're going to focus on what they're feeling yeah. and what that experience is. Yeah. And I feel like you tend to miss out on what... Yeah. Just, just yes. the plain so, old words. So, yeah. so let me just go off on that. Yes. And, and, and also, really quickly, your your goal, I think your goal is the contrary, because I think that you tend to want yes. to just take, not <laughs> def- you 100%. don't want to define everything, and I want to define everything. Yes. So part of your like, oh, I actually do have something to offer here. I have some guidance and wisdom to offer these people. To me, that is forcing you to, to make some, to commit to some ideas and share them. So I think I'm, yes, mine's sort of the contrary. Mine is just maybe be open in the moment to, and, and be curious about things. Um, I was going to say something about that now, and I forgot. Um, shoot, <laughs> it will come <laughs> back to me. But also this idea of, I really think a lot about individuation. I've been thinking a lot about this concept of individuation in the last year. And what that means. And so I'm going to continue to work more towards that. And that part for me requires practicing pr- true presence and exploring all of the, th- all of the things at any given moment um, without, you know, I've, again, I have a tendency to want to, I don't want to go into a room until I know the room is a certain way mm-hmm. and instead just go into the room. So continue to live in that way. That's a new concept for me. Um, and so that would work in individuation. And this new idea of we talked earlier about belonging and how that's been, you know, it's important to so many of us. And it's not until you feel like you don't belong that you truly understand the impact that that has on you and how it's kind of like a rock can take you to a rock bottom spot. But on, but it's but you can also only get to that rock bottom feeling of not belonging to realize that you only need yourself. And before I always thought, well, because that can also be to a fault. You know, we need people. We absolutely need people. But it's different. It's this internal shift that I'm experiencing right now where it's like I can be there for myself in a different way. And again, I don't think this happens until around midlife, truly. But I can be there for myself in a different kind of way. And then through that, maybe then uh, then the belonging can occur. But, bef- you know, I think we spend the first half of our life conforming to the people around us, seeking belonging. And then we get to a point where we will rebel against their rules, wh- whatever that is. And then there's a lot of shake up there. But we have to go through that to get to a point where we are there for ourselves. 
So I'm really working on that right now, and I'm gonna. I'm not sure what that means for 2023. It's the ever evolving, ever evolving <laughs> um, realization. But that's where I'm focused right now. Okay. I think that that's huge because it's difficult. And I think like anything, I mean, it's just reminding ourselves constantly of what we want to get out of life, where we're at, what we have to offer. Mm -hmm. And that presence piece of that, and you're right, for me, it's, it's, you could also say it's presence, but it's in a different way than yours. Yeah. But I think we can all do better at that. And I think that the hard thing is, you just said, I, I guess I'm thinking out loud here, but my whole story has always been to stay a little bit detached where I can have friends and everything mm-hmm. else, but I, I keep people at arm's length a yes, little bit do. where I don't fully, I'll talk about gossipy stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, little stuff, but mm-hmm. really won't open up my heart and where I'm mm-hmm. at. And I'm the opposite. You're the opposite. <laughs> but I think it's finding that balance between the mm-hmm. two of mm-hmm. when you talk about the individuation. Yeah. It's like being able to connect with people, but then also in some ways detach where necessary yeah. to say. Yes. Because, okay, what I want to say about that is because for, for me, I have an oversharer. People call them oversharing. The, you can't, the, pro, the only, when oversharing becomes a problem is when I'm too reliant on the external validation that comes from oversharing. And then now I'm impacted and it's impacting my self-worth. So the difference is, is that I can continue to overshare, but not in a way where I am expecting external validation from that overshare. Yeah. And that's what I, that's been the big transition for me, I'd say, over the past year or more in a real, real, real fucking genuine <laughs> way. Like, I mean, you think you know that you're, you think you think you're doing that, but then like you, there's an internal shift that happens when you're doing it. You're like, oh, wow, no, this is it. This is what this is about. So you're right. And for you, the other, the, the other side of that is that I'm not going to share anything with anyone so I don't have to feel rejection. Well, you can continue not to overshare or share a little, but also like not a, not because you're concerned with what the external world says about that. You know, mm-hmm. So for you, actually, it might be sharing more. And obviously, for me, it might be sharing less. But it's the motivation behind it. No, it is. And I think that I – I know – I keep saying I think that. I think that I – I focused on that probably the last six months of this year for myself and in doing that with different people, um, personally, professionally, and yeah, saying, fuck it. What, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. They don't like what I have to say. You should talk into the microphone. I feel like you keep getting further away from it. Oh, I learned this in my little podcasting video on how to hold the mic and how to talk. So we'll see. Okay. I don't know. We'll All see right. how the quality comes okay. out. But <laughs> anyway, um, I've, I've been working By on By the way, the, everybody, he doesn't want to do a podcast, but he's researching in between episodes on how to make a podcast there's better. A, there's a certain sound, <laughs> pizza, the hard uh-huh. P's and yeah. S's that you don't want to speak in the microphone. Anyways, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you did. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I've tried to focus on that, and I've felt so far that it's paid off in stating what I think, how I feel, mm-hmm. not being apologetic for where I'm at, what I have to say, mm-hmm. and just having confidence around that, insecurity around that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, so far I feel like it's, you know, again, I mean, in my head my biggest fear is, well, I don't want to come across as being arrogant. So when I say this confidently mm-hmm. – and I'm learning that that's just a stupid thing I have in my head. It is. You know, mm-hmm. there's no reason for me if I have information to share why I can't share that information mm-hmm. or I have a feeling or a thought about something. Yeah. And if somebody disagrees, okay, you disagree you with me. Owe, can, not only that, on. you, I mean, if you want to be selfless about it, you owe it to the world to share what you know. You mm-hmm. owe it to us. So do it. <laughs> if you don't want to make it about yourself, if you're truly convinced it's got to be about other people, which I'll call, uh, I'll I will challenge that, but then do it for other people because they want to know what's inside your head. So do it. I think, oh, so, so speaking of, you know, circling back, wow, circle, full circle moment, thinking about our relationship and how we met, <laughs> thinking about this idea of individuation and goals for the new year and growth. It's, I guess I would need to bring up the fact that we've mentioned this before, but I talk about it a lot between the two of me and you. 
I have never experienced more growth in any relationship than I have with you, which of course we've been together for a while and it's at a critical point in our life where of course there's going to be growth, but we are so contrary and it has been a ride. And we, so you, again, I'll bring back the Myers-Briggs, just, I, I think this is a simple way to explain individuation. There's other ways to explain it, but I'll use the Myers-Briggs. You are an ISTP and I am an I an INFJ, sometimes you're an ESTP. So if we call you an ESTP, we, all those letters are the opposite of one another. Mm-hmm. So individuation, and I might screw this up a little bit too, but according to Carl Jung, who really kind of, you know, he's like a forefather in psychology, Western psychology, um, I find him to be brilliant. He spoke a lot about how we have an inner self and an outer self and that you know it's like this yin and yang happening within us so we have oh my gosh why i can't think the name anima and anime and so for jim you always have to help me remember this for a male somebody somebody born as a male a genetic male is animus and then their internal they their inside person is an inner female and then vice versa so we don't need to get lost in the language of genders. It's just this idea of contraries. He assigned genders to it. Um, but it's this idea of contraries. So, again, he the Myers-Briggs is also based off of Carl Jung's ideas. So that's why I'm relating the two. But, but So you are like my opposite. Like you are my inner person. The, the, the personality that you present to the outside mm-hmm. world lives inside of me. And the personality that I present to the outside world lives inside of you. And it's this constant challenge of trying to figure out how to marry those contraries, balance those contraries. And so we've had to do that in our relationship. And it's been, it's been, the, it's been so awesome. We've like, it's just, it's so stimulating. It <laughs> is. And it's, stimulating all, and it's relationship. also so damn hard. It's been very hard. Because it's as hard as it's been good. Yeah. Everything I look at, I'm like, why don't you just do this? Who cares about this? Everything you look at, you know, mm-hmm. vice versa. It's mm-hmm. the same. It's mm-hmm. like, why don't you just approach it like this? Why don't you just but do that? But the funny thing is, like, is like uh, we're denying those inner. So right. you could look at it this other way too. I'm going to explain this. There's this idea of divine feminine and divine masculine. And the way divine masculine is defined, you know, we talk a lot about patriarchy and matriarchy right now. It's a hot topic. It's become politicized. But I'm not going to talk about it in a political way. I'm going to talk about it in a spiritual way, and then we'll end here. So there's this idea that the, ma- the, the divine masculine, this is also, again, relates to yin and yang, that the divine masculine, the way I understand it, kind of encompasses rules, dogma, norms, order. It's just that energy. And divine feminine is like the earth. It's just nature. It's the natural process of seasons. It's the unfolding, natural unfolding of things in front of you. There's not order to it necessarily. So we all have both within us. And it's fair to say that my personality on the outside is ma- it has a lot of masculine energy to it based on these principles of Carl Jung. This is my interpretation. <laughs> I want to be careful about that. And you have a lot of divine feminine energy. And that's, and that's just like this idea of like, I don't need a lot of rules and structure and order. You know, again, type A, type B, like kind of relating it with those two mm-hmm. concepts. But when we do that, we deny ourselves. We deny a whole part of ourselves. And so, again, we are challenging each other by being in a relationship together to bring up those inner parts inside of us that we haven't fully acknowledged. And that's what... You know, like my understanding is Carl Jung would call integration of the whole. So we've really forced each other into this process almost in an accelerated fast forward way. Yes. And it continues. It's ever unfolding. As hard (laughs) as it is, it's just as incredible. I say it's like a roller coaster sometimes. It's up and it's down. It's never dull. It's never you know, flat, but we have, I think over time, I know. It's getting flatter and duller. I was going to say, over time, (laughs) I I know over time in a good way. Yeah. In a good way yeah. because... Because there's, there's wisdom. Because we, I still think we have these peaks. Sometimes we have these valleys. But at the same time, I think we've learned to listen to each other and connect and understand each other better. Because we're with somebody who 
thinks differently, acts differently, all the, you know, complete yeah. opposites in that way. Yeah. Yeah, we've learned, um, I mean, I, I cannot believe the amount of wisdom I have gained and clarity I have gained about life, about the universe, about all things through my relationship with you. And at the same time. And, and I'm still madly in love with you. And I'm still I find the wild you attractive. I get butterflies when you walk in a room. Aww. People say that, well, if that still happens after years, you know, that's not that's not healthy. Bullshit. No, bullshit. I, that is bullshit. I totally we, disagree with that. That's not the story here. <laughs> yeah, and I just, my thing is, which is stupid, but it's not all rainbows to get there. However, it's worth all of it. Yeah. yeah. I love you. I hope I still give you butterflies. You do. <laughs> you do. All right. I love you. I love you too. Oh, wait. I guess I just wanted to say that I wasn't expecting this to be such a serious conversation. And yet I it know. was. Maybe next time it won't be so mm-hmm. much. But that's what happens when you have an audio diary, right? <sighs> we'll find out. Okay. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Oh, shit. See? <laughs> Got that one wrong. You didn't need to even think. Nope, not All that right, one. All right. Where's your NFX song? Bye. Bye.